the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I'm glad that you are enjoying Hebrews. One of the people that I read makes a statement that it's strong meat. It's, uh, I don't like using that term because I think of liver, but it is not baby food. It is something that you look to the Lord to sit down and talk with you about. It's something we yield our soul to the Spirit of God with so that we should do this with all Scripture, but show that He can take it and make it nurture for our living, for living out the truth of what Christ has done and who he's made us to be. The author in this is uh, addressing a small group of Jewish believers who were gathering somewhere just outside of Jerusalem. And these believers were, at this point in time, undergoing a little bit of persecution or a great deal of persecution, depending on what part you read. And the reality of it was that they had for a long time not endured any persecution. They were believers, Jewish believers, that had been won over by those who had come out of Pentecost and the big revival that Peter held. And they had accepted Jesus. And of course, in accepting Jesus, they had been separated from their Jewish culture, from their Jewish community from their Jewish faith to a large degree. That hasn't been, it hadn't been a real problem for them because nobody was really giving them a hard time about it until, until the high priest, empowered by the death of the local Roman ruler, decided he was now going to make them pay. So now they were enduring severe persecution. Before, because there was light persecution, they were going and entering into some of the customs of the tabernacle because they were close enough to the temple that they could attend a lot of the rituals. And so they'd kind of divided themselves between the church and the temple, and they were were going back and forth, doing some things, not doing others, rather divided. And that would be understandable because that's where their families were. That's where all the people they knew were. But then, here comes the hard part. This new edict of the high priest literally would separate them out of the temple. It would separate them out of the marketplace. It would separate them from their families. It would put them 
in excommunication, if you know what that means, they would have been pushed away from the Jewish community. It was severe. It was harsh. They would have their livelihoods taken from them. The temple soldiers would take, come and take their belongings. They would be cast out of their homes. This was getting very difficult. They were having some decisions to make concerning their faith. The thing is, guys, we know this from our own experience. Faith that is not pursued, faith that is not determined, faith that is not practiced, faith that is not challenged in the day-to-day of life and experienced moment by moment is really not faith at all. It's convenience. It's comfortable. And that's what they had been left with. And now, as things were ramping up, it was calling them to a determined faith. A faith that went beyond where they were at. A faith that says, though they slay me, yet will I trust in him. Not all of them were up to that. In this little Jewish gathering, there were those who were genuinely born again. And there were those who were just there because they had intellectually accepted the idea of Jesus the Messiah. And then there were those that were there just out of association or curiosity, but they were lost, completely lost. And as we go through this book, you'll see the writer address each group at different times. Now, in this particular text, Well, at the beginning of the book, he seeks to prove that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the mediator of a new and better covenant. Uh, Because the old covenant was mediated by angels, and every Jew knew that, the author must prove that that Christ is superior to the angels. So he undertakes to do that in chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2. And now we're going to begin where we left off which was verse 9 of chapter 2, and we're going to make our way to verse 15. Would you please stand with me while I read our text? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 through 16, verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while by taking on the limitations of humanity, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death, so that by the grace of God extended to sinners, he might experience death for the sins of everyone. For it was fitting for God, that is, an act worthy of his divine nature, that he for whose sake are all things and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the author and founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, bringing to maturity the human experience necessary for him to be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest. Both Jesus who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that is, spiritually transformed, made holy, and set apart for God's purposes are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will declare your, the Father's name, to my brethren, believers, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again he says, my trust and confident hope will be placed in him. And again, here I am, and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, Since these children share in flesh and blood the physical nature of mankind, he himself 
in a similar manner, also shared in the same physical nature, but without sin, so that through experiencing death, he might make powerless, ineffective, impotent him who had the power of death, that is the devil, that he might free all those who, through the haunting fear of death, were held in slavery throughout their lives. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There is a lot in those verses, and we're going to look at each one. And I don't know how far the Lord is going to let us get today, but I uh, bravely put verse 15. Hebrews 2, verses 9 through 15 is where we're going. And starting at verse 9, he says, But we do see Jesus who has made us lower than the angels for a little while by taking on the limitation of humanity, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death, so that by the grace of God extended to sinners, he might experience death for the sins of everyone. Taking on the limitations of humanity, the God who never had any limitations. In his humility, he took on the body of man. He faced the issues of man. By faith, he believed the Father to carry him through because we know that the Lord Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, he was part of the triune God, he never acted on his own behalf. In every situation where Jesus was challenged, Jesus did as we do, or as we have been asked to do, and that is he looked to the Father. He called out. He looked to him. He trusted in him. Now, verse 8, which is the one prior to that, says, ends with, now in putting all things in subjection to man, he left nothing outside his control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But as verse 9 continues, but we do see Jesus. Now, how do we see Jesus? How do we see him? By faith through the revelation of the Spirit. The issue is not that we can't see him if we're children of God. The issue is not that we can't see him. The issue is, do we want to? Are we looking? Do we don't see him with with visible eyes all the time? Sometimes we can see the manifestation of his work in our lives and the lives of others and in nature and the things about us. But how do we see him? We see him with eyes of faith. I know he's here. I know he's in my life. I know he's present. But you know what? If we don't embrace that faith, it's very hard to minister that faith. Because those who are dealing with troubles and trials will come to you and say, Tell me, what should I do? And if you've not been walking in the truth of his presence in the context of his life, if you've not experienced the healing of his presence, then what are you going to say to them? Oh, well, you know, I look to Jesus, okay? Where does he, where do you look? You will not be able to look at them and the, look them in the eye and reckon upon the ministry of Christ's life and presence within you. Grab them by the hand and say, he is with me and he is with you. His healing is his life. His strength is within us. He will hold you. He will keep you. He will sustain you. He will nurture you. Yield to his voice. Can you say that with confidence? We see him by faith. 
By faith, through the revelation of the Spirit, we have a view of the sovereign Lord, our Creator God and our Savior. As we, we saw last time, that He, the Christ, was made to be lower for a short period of time. His nature was not lower, but for a short period of time, His incarnation was. He was put into flesh, only in order to accomplish the plan of God. This incarnation that we're talking about is explained in the verses 9 through 18, and we'll be going through it. It is in these verses that the Spirit reveals the purposes of the incarnation. Christ was made lower than the angels in order for him to experience death. He was made mortal so that he would know mortality. In the beginning, God gave man dominion over the earth, but in sin, he lost that. In sin, man became mortal and destined for death. And Jesus had to become man to deliver him from the curse of sin and death. No angel could do that. No angel could become man. No angel could, as only God can, encompass and take upon himself all the sin of man. The thing is, we don't have even the slightest clue what that would be like. We deal with our varied temptations, but we don't have any idea what it would be to take on not just every temptation, but every temptation as it's experienced by every man. That's so much broader, so much greater than your singular temptation. In the beginning, man had dominion over the earth, but he lost that. He was not fit to have dominion. Jesus had to become man to deliver him from the curse of sin and death. No angel would be able to do that. He had to become our substitute, the captain of our salvation, our sanctification, our perfect high priest, our victory over the enemy. In humility, our Lord, the creator of all things, who spoke the angels into being and literally held them in place, became for a short while lower than the angels. Then, in his humanity and his humiliation, he submitted to the suffering of death. Now, that indicates what kind of death he would die. It was a place that was foreign both to his divinity and to his humanity. It could not be a typical death, but the fullest experience of death that would encompass the death of every man. The pain, the uncertainty, the darkness, all that man would know in death was his to experience. All of it. Jesus endured in three days what will be experienced, the whole of what will be experienced by the wicked for eternity. It was for grace that he died. For grace that he suffered death. Grace the unfettered manifestation of God's love. It was for this love. It was in obedience, which walks hand in hand with perfect love, that he yielded himself to the predetermined will of the triune God. Obedience walks in tandem with love. Apart from love, it is not obedience. 
We don't, as Christians, do the things that God has asked us to do for, the, for God's sake and for our own protection, as many do. We do those things out of love, yielded and surrendered to the one who loves us most. I read the Bible because I love the author. I pray to him because I love the subject of my prayer. Everything that we do, think think about it, guys, think about it. What were you created for? Intimacy. Would you want a spouse who did things for you just because it was efficacious for them to do it? Just because it was convenient for them to do it? Just because it suited them or their personality or their ideas? Would you want that kind of spouse? Or would you want a spouse who did what they did out of the love that God had put in their hearts for you. That's what obedience is. Obedience is not a rigor. It's not, it's not harsh. It's not difficult. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Why is it light? Because we share everything in the yoke of love. It's by the power of his love that I am sustained in all that he carries me in. Everything that he calls me to, he calls me to because of his great love for me. Everything in the pathway that he has made for me in the whole of my life, in throughout eternity, everything that he has called me to, he has called me to out of his perfect love for me, that I may know him, that I may experience him. Experiential love. This, uh, our Lord satisfied infinite holiness and justice in his death. His death was not imposed on him by sin, but he laid down his life. It was power perfected in weakness. The crown of thorns has been replaced by the crown of glory and honor. Verse 10. For it was fitting for God, that is an act worthy of his divine nature, that he, for whose sake are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the author and founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, bringing to maturity the human experience necessary for him to be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest. He starts with, for it is was fitting. Your translation may say, for it became him, or it behooved him. It simply means that it agreed with his divine nature, and that is referring to God. The Amplified has it that it was an act worthy of his divine nature. Creator God, who made all things, made the world as part of the plan to bring sons into his glory. It was all part of his wisdom. This world exists for the plan of God. Did you know that? Everything that surrounds you exists because of the plan of God for you. You are in the place you are in. Be it good, be it bad, however you may judge it. It's because of the plan of God for you. God allowed it to complete his work. As we have read in scripture makes abundantly clear, all things, all creatures have their beginning in him. He made all things for himself. Every creature that exists, every event that happens, must come by God's permission. 
Satan couldn't tempt Peter without Christ's permission. The demons couldn't go into the pigs without Christ's permission. The sparrow would not fall to the ground unless the creator granted it. So beyond our understanding, isn't it? So all that the son endured was in keeping with God's character, his holiness, his love, his justice, his grace, in bringing many sons to glory so that he would be made the author and captain of their salvation. In order to bring, that word grabs me. Look at what he has done in order to bring for you and you and you. He brought you and literally created and moved heaven and earth to bring you. Not as a part of his creation, like a well-cultivated plan, but literally as his own, as his child. We need to see our lives from an eternal perspective. We need to see our lives from a supernatural perspective. We need to look beyond what is temporal, what is passing, what is flesh. And we need to look to what God has done. For that is the work of faith. To look beyond the substance of the more of the temporal eyes. To look beyond what may touch our temporal ears. And say, I have a God who goes far beyond it in order to embrace this life. In order to move this life throughout eternity. So all that the Son endured was completely in the plan of God. Your translation may say, the captain of our salvation instead of leader. The Greek word there is archegos, and it means leader or pioneer. It has also been translated as prince in Acts. It means one who goes before. One expositor used the example of one who founds a city. All who come to live in that city have followed the Archegos. He led them. We have followed the Archegos. He has made a place for us. He has gone before us. He went before you in all things. He led you into his salvation. He demonstrated all that you and I must manifest Obedience, love, the fruits of the Spirit, all of these are seen through Christ. He went before you in suffering. He went before you in turmoil. He went before you in depression. He went before you in all of the obstacles of this life. He went before you in a deteriorating physical state. He went before you in the suffering of fear unto death. He went before you in everything that you could possibly conceive of. You will never be alone. You will never claim your personal fear and your personal suffering as only yours. You will know that the captain of your salvation went before you. And here's what's more. God didn't just go before you and make a path for himself. God went before you to lead you through and to show you he is so much greater than any obstacle that any man would ever encounter. He went before us in death and the resurrection. He went before us in death so that we would never have to experience death. You're not going to experience death. 
you're going to get translated out of that body. And depending upon what you've been through so far, that might be a real good thing, right? But you have experienced the resurrection. For he took that dead, empty man that used to be you, that empty man who was darkness and sin, given to the appetites of the flesh, given to the things of this world, trying desperately to find its identity in the things around him, in the people around him, so desperate for the love of somebody other than God, so desperate and needy for something to fill the vacuum in its life. He took that man and he put him to death and resurrected a new man, complete, Filled, absolutely perfect in his sight. A man who would never have any need beyond him. He went before us in all things. It says perfected. That's teleao. In the Greek, it means complete or to accomplish. Christ accomplished through suffering, bringing to maturity the human experience necessary for him to be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest. He is perfectly equipped because there is nothing that you will go through. There is nothing that you will suffer. There's no doubt that will cross your mind. No fear that will cross your soul's path that he has not been there. And in all things was obedient to the Father in yielding his life, his circumstance, his situation, his literal body unto the Father, trusting in him to love him, trusting in him to carry him. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.